You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And welcome to First Bite, the Detroit Lions preview podcast for PrideofDetroit.com, your SB Nation Detroit Lions blog. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the managing editor of Pride of Detroit. This is going to be a little bit different of a first bite because, let's be honest, the 3-6-1 Detroit Lions versus the 1-9 Washington team, probably not exactly the kind of matchup that you're looking forward to. Um, I'm, I'm sure there might be a good chunk of you that aren't even going to watch. So this isn't exactly going to be a preview podcast this week. We'll get into what it is. And uh, if you probably read the title, you probably have a good idea already. But before we get into all that, I have to introduce my co-host, Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore POD. Ryan, how are we doing tonight? I am here. Typically, I only teach during the day. And hand out grades, but I'm ready to do that tonight as well. Yes, good tease there because this episode is entitled or something like it because I'm not always in charge of titling uh, the state of the franchise. Um, unlike this isn't going to be like a, a state of the union where I kind of make a big speech about where the team is and and Ryan responds has a has a response although that's ac- now that i say it out loud that's actually kind of a brilliant idea and maybe we'll do it later in the off season <laughs> <laughs> we just like have three segments where i give my speech on on where i think the franchise is going you, you tell me how much of an idiot i am in your response that's that's a really good idea i think that's a great idea for chris <laughs> perfect to be a part of oh absolutely yeah. That, maybe that's just a regular POD cast episode. But anyways, <laughs> the French, the, the state of the franchise episode tonight, we're going to go through uh, the roster, go through each unit, see where they're, how they're performing so far, and maybe talk a little bit about what they need to do in the future because the season's over and no one wants to talk about this week's game. And I wouldn't blame you if, if we had done a regular preview game and you just skipped that podcast. So hopefully this is a little more enticing. We're going to start with the offense. Second segment, we're going to do defense. Again, we're just going to go over the units, give our, give grades as Ryan alluded to, and then uh, talk a little bit about the future and and where the lines need to go there. Um, Do you want to just jump right into it, Ryan? Yeah, let's just, let's kick it off. All right. Uh, well, then, no better way to start than at quarterback. And I think we can all agree that uh, in terms of future stuff, we know that Matthew Stafford's going to be the quarterback going forward unless his back breaks even further. But we won't we won't even put those thoughts out into the universe except for the except I just did. But um, Ryan, <clears throat> uh, how have the quarterbacks been this year for the Detroit Lions? Give me a grade. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a grade. And I, I want to say that it's it's weird how you have to wait this grade just because we had eight games of Matthew Stafford and now we've had two games of Jeff Driscoll. 
Yep. So you almost kind of want to grade it on not a curve, but you just have to keep that in mind. Like, you know, you have to know what you're grading. And I want to say that I want to just give the quarterbacks a B plus. And I think that's fair enough. I think Matthew Stafford was having an incredible season. Um, I think that if Jeff Driscoll never came into play, this grade would definitely be an A, A minus maybe, just because I think so highly of Matthew Stafford and his ability. But with Jeff Driscoll being in there, it gets knocked down to a B plus. I think he's really doing what he can. I think he's very limited. I think that Daryl Bevel is trying to scheme up some ways in which Driscoll can be more effective use his legs and his mobility a little bit more than you could with Matthew Stafford. So I'm going to go B plus, And I know that might seem a little bit harsh, but just wait till we get to the rest of the podcast. <laughs> I think B plus is a fair grade. I was thinking either B plus or a minus. Uh, we'll just go a minus to be a little different. Um, I think one thing with the season that Matthew Stafford had that we have to maybe give him even more credit for is first year in a new offense, right? And Mm, he's certainly in his 11th season, and so there isn't a lot that an offensive coordinator can throw at him that he doesn't already know. But at the same time, we all had questions about this offense going into the season, right? We were all talking about, is Matthew Stafford going to be okay with it? Is it going to fit what he needs? And I think he answered with a resounding yes. He's done a fantastic job. And, um, you know, he, he found the, the deep pass again, which he had lost under Jim Bob Cooter and averaged 8.6 yards per attempt, which is near his career high. Mm-hmm. You know, as a team, they have a pass rating of 102.1. So you, you can't really expect a lot better than that in the first year of a new offensive system. So, yeah, I'll go A- minus there. And then in terms of the future, I think we, we need to talk about backup quarterback. Has Jeff Driscoll shown enough to you in two games that the line should extend him, should potentially make him the the backup in 2020 and beyond. I think I'm okay with the Lions if they go into next year with Jeff Driscoll as their backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. However, I wouldn't be comfortable if they just hand it over to him and if they're complacent about it because mm-hmm. I really think that this team should not be preparing for a future without Matthew Stafford but at least adhering to what Bob Quinn had said when he became general manager of the team and talking about drafting a quarterback, if not every year, at least every other year, just because it is such a quarterback-oriented league and you do end up finding players like Gardner Minshew or any of these quarterbacks that get drafted late, Jimmy Garoppolo, or not Jimmy Garoppolo because he was an earlier pick, but like Jacoby Brissett mm-hmm. or some of these other guys that you see the rest of the league having to turn to somebody else. I am, I'd be okay with Jeff Driscoll. I just want more. Be honest, you just miss Josh Johnson. I miss Brad Kaya. <laughs> All right, let's move on to running back. Uh, definitely an interesting position this year. Uh, the Lions have played uh, kind of a, a merry-go-round outside of on Johnson, who obviously... Went to IR again for the second straight year. Uh, We've had to deal with a whole bunch of guys. CJ Anderson for a while, Paul Perkins, Trey Carson, JD McKissick is still in there, Ty Johnson, Bo Scarborough is the next uh, new big thing. Uh, I guess I'll go first here with my grade. It's been bad. It's been rough the entire year. I like what JD McKissick is bringing carry on Johnson didn't really truly look like himself. And, and a lot of this obviously is intertwined with the offensive line play, which we'll get to, but 
I mean, there there aren't a lot of splash plays outside of outside of you know Bo Scarborough's twenty three yard run and and a couple from J D McKissick. This team doesn't have a twenty plus yard run on the roster. Uh, so I mean, I I think I got to give this a a D plus because again, I, I don't want to put all the blame on the running backs because the offensive line isn't doing them any favors, but. I, I expected more. I expected some explosion plays. I expected, uh, you know, th- this looked like kind of a deep, a potentially deep running back crew, especially when you start the year with C.J. Anderson, who was coming off a really strong showing in Los Angeles. Kieran Johnson, all the hype around there. And then J.D. McKissick and, and Ty Johnson. Ty Johnson is another big name that hasn't really amounted to much yet this year. And some of it is injuries. Some of it is, you know, just hasn't had the opportunities. But um, definitely a disappointing group, I think, for me. Oh yeah, I, I totally agree, and I, I was, I was thinking D plus range as well. But um, even as you, even as you got into it a little bit more, I'm just going to give this, I'm going to give this group a D. And the reason I'm going to give the running back group a D is because there was so much promise going into this year, as you mentioned, and I know that was derailed by a carry on Johnson injury, but that was something that we knew would be a potential limitation of his. CJ Anderson, like you said, was coming off filling in for Todd Gurley, maybe when healthy, the best running back in the NFL, potentially an NFL MVP. And the Rams didn't miss a beat when it came to running the ball. And for for Lions fans to think, well, not only do we have Carrion Johnson coming back, but we also have CJ Anderson who can fill in in a pinch. It seemed like the Lions were really going to make a commitment to running the football. And they brought in Daryl Bevel and they went and got, you know, all these other ancillary things we'll talk about, tight ends, tight ends who can block. Running the football seemed like it was going to be something this team was going to do well, and it isn't. And I know that there are limitations because of injuries and things like that, but there are no incomplete grades that we're going to be handing out because, as I've always said, the greatest, the greatest ability is availability, and it really stinks with how often the Lions are are, are faced with beat up running backs, running backs who just don't end up making the cut like CJ Anderson. Um, that might be my biggest disappointment of the season. It might be a bigger disappointment than carry on Johnson getting injured. I mean, we, we all convinced ourselves CJ Anderson wasn't going to be the LeGarrette, the next LeGarrette blunt. And then he turned out exactly to be the next LeGarrette blunt. I, I think you could make an argument that LeGarrette blunt had a more successful career with the lions than CJ Anderson it was longer. I don't know if it was more successful. <laughs> Uh, but Laguerre Blunt went to the end zone a couple of times. <laughs> he did, and you know CJ Anderson picked up like a one third and one, and we were like, okay, we got it, we're fixed. And then a week later, he's gone. <laughs> um, but looking forward, uh, the Lions have some interesting decisions. Obviously, Carrion Johnson is, is going to stick around regardless of his injury thing. Ty Johnson yeah. will be around for a while. I think JD McKissick has probably earned himself a new contract in in Detroit if. If he's interested, um, obviously he has a relationship with Daryl Bevel, and then Bo Scarborough is, is kind of the the massive unknown right now. Obviously coming off a pretty good game uh, last week in his first NFL action, but it's his first NFL action. It's it's what twelve carries, thirteen carries, whatever it was. Um, we'll, we'll see where where that goes for the rest of the season because he'll probably get a good chunk the rest of the way, assuming that he's he's one of the few that stays healthy. And, and I, I agree with you too. I think there is a lot of talent that's on the roster that ironically enough, the lions need to see more of 
before they make final decisions on somebody like carry on Johnson, who they obviously invested a lot in uh, Ty Johnson, JD McKissick, I think is also welcome back. Like you mentioned, but I'm firmly team Jeremy that the lions do not need to draft a running back at a boy at a boy. <laughs> Maybe a fullback, but we'll talk. We we don't need to talk. No, fullback. no one cares. We're not going to talk. We're not going to talk fullback. Uh, let's move to wide receivers because I want to talk about one happy thing this entire episode, and <laughs> <laughs> I think wide receivers is, is probably. I, I it's got to be your highest grade on the team, isn't it? Yeah, uh, unless I'm going to grade the kicker higher, but <laughs> I doubt that's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember. Did did you just go first? I'll I'll go. Whatever. I'll go. I don't. We don't need to take turns. This isn't kindergarten. Um, I'll I'll go a minus for for the wide receivers. And the only reason I'm not giving them a straight A is because I still think there's some separation issues. I still don't think Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones are uh, great route runners. I, I think most of their ability comes from just snatching balls away from defenders. Which I mean, if that's that's your game, that's your game. I just don't think it'll necessarily work as well for bad quarterbacks. So with Jeff Driscoll, we've already seen, I don't think it works quite as well, but Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones both have eight touchdowns, which leads the NFL for each of them. Uh, They both have over 600 yards. They're both on pace for over a thousand yards. Um, And Danny Amendola has been a first down machine. He's, he's just barely behind them in yardage. Um, He's certainly been playing above his pay grade. And, and I haven't even mentioned Marvin Hall, who's just, the most ridiculous football player I've ever seen where he's, he only catches 30, 30 plus yard passes. And before last week it was only 40 yard passes, but then he had to catch a 39 yarder and be a jerk. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, it's hard to be disappointed with this, this unit at all, especially, you know, just given how everything else around them is not working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to give them an a, because I don't really care how, Kenny Galladay catches the football. I just know that he does it. And I don't care how Marvin Jones catches the football. I just know that he does it. And Marvin Hall is kind of like this nice little surprise that's been, that's kind of piqued my interest. Guy literally has six receptions, but (laughs) the fact that he's just this big play machine, that's definitely a role that I think that the Lions were were missing and have been missing for quite some time. Somebody who can just be a speedster and burn down the field and, and take the top off the defense for a big play. And we know that there's so many statistics. There's so many analytics that talk about big chunk plays and, and what they do in terms of uh, teams winning on Sundays. They're huge. And I think you even go back to a game like the Packers game, which I don't want to give anybody, you know, nightmares or flashbacks to bad memories, but that game, I simply remember because of a pass to Marvin Hall and a pass to Kenny Galladay on the flea flicker. Like those two plays, just I, and I know flea flickers, Jeremy. I know, but <laughs> these receivers that the Lions have are big time players, and they make big time plays, and they've been making big time plays all season long. Like you said, sixteen yep. touchdowns between Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. Danny Amendola was somebody who I think that everybody kind of wrote off as, oh man, here comes another Patriots player. The Lions are Patriots West. This is another signing that just screams Bob Quinn and, you know, Matt Patricia getting another one of their guys. But as you mentioned, a first down machine, 39 catches on the year, 23 of them for first downs. Mm -hmm. And 
he's just a guy who's liable at any time to just have a 10 catch game. Yeah. I mean, he, I think he had only had two or three hundred yard games in his career and he's already got, I think two this year, maybe even a third. So um, yeah. yeah, definitely uh, exceeded expectations there in terms of future. Really? I think the only question is, is do you bring Danny Amendola back? Cause everyone else is pretty much signed for at least one more year. Um, what one guy to consider also, and, and I just realized that he's still technically on the team is Jermaine Curse, who's who suffered his season ending injury in the preseason. And and I think there was a fair amount of hype for him as well, especially with his reunite reu reunion. There it is, with Daryl Bevel. Um but what what would you do with Danny Amendola at this point? I think Danny Amendola has proven and I think those receivers who play the role that he does in the slot underneath stuff, shifty. Those guys seem to stick around for a little bit. And yeah. even though I know Amendola is, what, is he 33? I think he's even older than that. He might be 34, I think. But I think you can bring a guy like that back on another one-year contract because he was willing to sign one this year. It seems like moving forward until he hangs it up that he's going to be like a one-year contract kind of guy. All right, we got to do it. We got to talk tight ends. All right, Ryan, just just lay the grade on me. Let's just let's just pull rip this bandaid off. It's a D for me. It's a D for me, and it's a real big bummer because I think that prior to this season, we would have looked at this position group and said they have the potential to even be better than the wide receivers or be even better than the running backs. because there was so much hype around TJ Hawkinson. There was this idea that Jesse James was finally going to break out with a more defined role. And I don't know why a lot of us talked ourselves into that when you looked at the rest of the roster and said, well, there is a Kenny Galladay and there is a Marvin Jones and there is a Danny Amendola. And there are all these other like established players there's a reason why Jesse James only has eight catches this season. And there's a reason why last week against the Cowboys, he played in his season low for snaps. It's upsetting. And yeah. I, I, I think people had their expectations a little bit too high for TJ Hawkinson in general. Sure. Yep. And it's a really tough role for a rookie to come in and blow the doors off. I think that we've seen that historically. Do I think that TJ Hawkinson is a, is is a kind of like a lost cause moving forward? Absolutely not. But it's just been really, really, really disappointing from for two aspects, right? Both receiving and you yeah, know, in, in, in the blocking game. Yeah. 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 I'm gonna go D minus. Um the Jesse James contract is just a disaster right now, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. Uh, I know he's young, but as you mentioned, his snap counts are going down. He's a non-factor in the receiving game. He's bad as a blocker. I mean, all three of these guys are bad as blockers right now, and that's that's very troubling for everyone outside of TJ Hawkinson, which I don't have any concerns about. I think he's going to be fine. He's not good right now. Um, I, actually, I'll, I'll I'll walk that back a little bit. He's he's fine right now. He's I think he's top fifteen in in terms of tight end re, you know receiving yards. He's got a couple touchdowns. He's had a few drops that are uncharacteristic of him, but n- nothing that I have any long term concerns about. 
Um, I, I think he's going to be a very good player in this league. I really do. Um, but if we're talking about talent level right now, it's bad. It's really bad. And considering how important tight ends are to this offense, I think it, you can blame them for a lot of things, mm-hmm. including lack of a running game, including um, some some pass protection issues, all of that. A lot goes on the tight end. So i um, very concerned about it. Um, you can't get rid of Jesse James for another couple of years. Maybe you keep it around Logan Thomas because he's made a couple of good catches. And apparently you want to run this fake punt look every other week now for some reason. So I guess you keep him around for that if he's under a million dollars in cap space. So I don't know. That's all I got to say about tight ends. We got to get moving anyways a little bit here because we're running a little behind. So let's talk offensive line um, position that is currently uh, hit by a lot of injuries, but even when they're healthy, probably not playing up to snuff there. I would give them. I don't know. I think I think they're getting. I think pass protection has actually been a little bit better than than maybe even I expected. Uh, but run blocking has been a, a disaster, and so I'm going to go C minus. I do think Taylor Decker is playing than a lot of people are playing better than a lot of people are giving him credit for. Um, Early in the year, we saw them struggle against some elite pass rushers, but they've really actually bounced back pretty nicely. Um, they held their own against Minnesota. Khalil Mack was a non-factor in, in Chicago, and so I think as pass blocking, this team has gotten better, um, but run blocking, as I said, kind of a disaster, so it's it's not, it's not pretty right now. No, it isn't pretty, and it's really weird. We're pretty much lock and step on a lot of these grades. I think that I would go as low as to call it a C minus as well. I don't want to exactly put it into D range just because I think that there have been promising things in spurts and there have been promising, there's been promising play from individuals. There's been a yeah. game where Frank Ragnow is flashed. There's been a game where when Graham Glasgow is actually getting snaps <laughs> and, right. and they're not being, you know, siphoned by Kenny, the Kenny Wiggins experiment, he's looked he's looked competent in the run game. There's been games recently where Taylor Decker's looked, you know, really good in, in either pass protection or, or run blocking. The one squeaky wheel though is Rick Wagner. Rick Wagner has been really, mm-hmm. really bad this season. You're right. And, and, and I'm really concerned about Rick Wagner's future with this team. And yeah. that was, that was really Bob Quinn's first big splash in free agency, yep. making Rick Wagner the richest right tackle in NFL history. And he had a couple of decent seasons, but this year it's been it's been a rough go for him. Yeah, and and really quickly, let's talk about the future of this unit because I think we've we've mentioned it in previous podcasts. It's it's up in the air. You mentioned Rick Wagner; they have an out next year if they want to get out of that big contract. Next year might be the year to do it, but you also have to deal with Graham Glasgow. You also have to deal with Kenny Wiggins. Both of those guys are unrestricted free agents. Ode Abushi is a free unrestricted free agent. So your depth is leaving. Your starters are leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you have to wonder about the future of of other guys on this offensive line. And and even Taylor Decker, he's he's going to be on his fifth year option. And so that's that's a non guaranteed contract. So if the Lions wanted to get out of that, they technically could. Um, I think the future looks a little bit bleak. Am I wrong? <laughs> no, I don't think you're wrong at all. And this is going to be the last thing that anybody wants to hear. I think offensive line is totally on the table for the lions in the first round. Yeah. And, and really any position other than center. Yeah. And, yep. and even then, I mean, they've shown that they'll just move rag now to guard anyways. True. So good. Yeah, honestly, any of those positions are in play. 
All right, we're going to close up. If you thought that segment was bleak, just you wait, because after the break, we are going to talk Lions defense. Oh, boy. You're going to want my knuckles. <laughs> you crack, crack your knuckles, because it's about to get ugly up in here. Up in here. Bubble Spark style. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back with this special first bite State of the Franchise Edition, where we're talking about the Detroit Lions roster, what it is right now, what it will be in the future, what's going wrong, what's going right. And we're mostly going to focus on what's going wrong because now it's time to talk about the Detroit Lions defense. And it has been really, really bad so far this year, especially towards the end of the uh, set first half of the season or first two thirds or wherever we are in the season. It's been bad. And let's start right where I think a lot of that badness is coming from, although it's really coming from all three units. We'll start with the defensive line uh, because we came in to 2019 with very high expectations. We have a lot of big names on this defensive line. A. Sean Robinson, Deshaun Hand, Mike Daniels, Trey Flowers, Damon Harrison. All these guys were expected to be big contributors and all expected to play at a pretty high level. But it hasn't worked out that way, has it, Ryan? It hasn't worked out that way. This is by far the most disappointing unit that's on the team. And it pains me so much to say that because it isn't as if injuries have really robbed this unit in the, in the same so. way. I, I, outside of Deshaun Hand, I really don't think that injuries have played as big of a role as, say, the running back position we talked about last segment. Or, I mean, obviously, even quarterback. I, I just... I, I really think that like outside of Deshaun Hand's injury, which he he's only played in two games, but it really seems like he is the straw that can stir the drink. Yeah. In a, in, in, in a way. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And it, it's a bummer that, you know, it's been separate injuries that have kept him out, yeah, but three, three different ones. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I just, I think that this unit is just playing so below our expectations heading into this season that it's really easy. I mean, Mike Daniels too. Yes. The lions have missed out on Mike Daniels, but I kind of viewed Mike Daniels as being the, the cherry on top. Yeah. It mm-hmm. really, you know, he came along so late in the, you know, in the off season, you know, being cut by the Packers, the lions adding them. It was like, Oh man, like adding Mike Daniels as this kind of like rotational guy who can, do some things on you know earlier downs, do some things on third down that are a little bit different. You have some more positional versatility. That seemed really cool. But like losing him wasn't as big of a loss as I would say Deshaun Hand was. I agree. Yeah. But I guess, and we'll give out grades in a second. I mean, you look at where this team was 
in training camp and it was bad. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, Trey Flowers was still dealing with his offseason surgery. Yeah. Um, you know, Damon Harrison didn't practice at all. Mike Daniels didn't practice at all until late in, in the preseason. And I, I think those injuries spilled over a little bit, or at least, you know, their, their lack of conditioning or, or lack of being football ready spilled over in the first month of the season. And, and now we're starting to see some of them play a little bit better. Obviously, I mean, Snacks was, was bad in September. And now he's, mm-hmm. he's not where he was last year, but he's better. And, and same with Trey Flowers, awful in, in September. Now he's playing a little bit better. And I mean, that's, that's not an excuse. And it, it, you know, every team deals with injuries and every team um, needs good coaching to overcome some of that. And, and I don't think the Lions have gotten that. But I think a lot of this, the reason this, this unit has been underperforming is the injuries that they, they had to deal with. And I mean, unfortunately, the Lions knew this. They, they knew it when they got Mike Daniels. They knew it when they got Trey Flowers and they couldn't overcome it. And so, I mean, I'm still going to give this unit a C minus and, and that might seem a little, I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of people screaming like that's way too high for this unit. And, and maybe you're right, but Trey Flowers is playing better. The Lions run defense is playing better. Um, if we were to measure a grade in terms of expectations versus outcome, yeah, this would be an F for sure. But I think mm-hmm. still this team is a little bit better than than maybe what we're giving credit for. I think pass rush obviously is is something that this team is in desperate need of, especially in the interior, which is where I think the Mike Daniels and Deshaun Hand injuries have really hurt this team. Um, but I do have a little bit of optimism for this unit going forward. Still, I, yeah, I, I I do as well, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give them a D. And I think what I want to say because I agree with you in the sense that it seems like players. It seems it seems like players like Snacks and even Deshaun Hand when he was available to play, Mike Daniels, Trey Flowers, those guys weren't in football shape and they weren't football ready. Yeah. But I think I just viewed this unit as being so deep that, well, you know what, if Deshaun Hand is hurt and he's not playing, that's fine because the Lions have this, this, and this. Right. Or, you know, if Mike Daniels is gonna miss a few games, that's okay. They have Damon Harrison, they have Ashawn Robinson, they 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 can get by. They haven't gotten by. It's yeah. been really bad and there have there have been some bright spots lately but I'm not going to let that I'm not going to let that distract me from how bad September was it cuz it was real real bad. That's fair. So, I'm giving them a D. Um two main pieces to talk about for next year, Ashawn Robinson, Mike Daniels. Are you bringing either of those guys back? If Mike Daniels comes back on the cheap, yeah. Or the at least cheaper yeah, sure. Ashawn Robinson. It's been a roller coaster of a career for him so far, especially during the Matt Patricia tenure. Yeah, he was a, he was a healthy scratch, and then he suddenly was amazing in the second half of 2018, and now he's back to like it's kind of a liability. He's not really doing much, just kind of middling. Yeah, it's it's, it's bizarre. I mean, I think that if I'm Ashawn Robinson, I can probably make a lot more money somewhere else because. I don't think the Lions are going to offer him a contract that he could get on the open market. So yeah. I, I think you could potentially see both of those guys somewhere else in, in 2020. Yep, which means the Lions are going to have to go depth diving once again on the defensive line because all of a sudden they're, they're, they're not, they don't have anything like the depth that they were supposedly had this year. So anyways, yep. oh, Zazu was not a fan of that. I don't know if you caught that, but he was, he was very sad. Well, I think what he was screaming was, 
the Lions can only draft Edge in the first round. <laughs> Good call, Zazu. You're right. <laughs> um, speaking of crying, let's talk linebackers. <laughs> um, oh, I'm so bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, Ryan. It's your turn to grade first. Just give it let to me. me. Let, let me go get my uh, bottle of hydrogen peroxide and stick a couple of tablespoons down Goose's throat. Give me about six minutes and then he'll throw up and that's my grade. <laughs> dog I, I, vomit. Dog yeah. vomit is your grade. Okay. Do- dog vomit is my grade for this unit. And man, I hate being so hypercritical because that's just not in me. Like I'm not a, I'm not a hypercritical person of other, of other things. Yeah. But this unit is just, it's so not even disappointing. It's just, it's just completely hopeless. I don't, it's, it's just, it's, it's befuddling how bad they are. Yeah. Like how truly bad they are. Jared Davis has not, and I, I am not going to be a victim of the moment. I'm, I'm telling myself this as Jared Davis has a couple of back-to-back good games in, in, in run defense. I am not going to be a victim of the moment and say that Jared Davis is, any different than the player that I think everybody knows that he is, at least in this scheme. PFF's week week eleven team of the week, baby. Anyways, so <laughs> that no, that really com- qu- yeah, go ahead. I, I I was talking with Justin Rogers about him a little bit today, and he brought up a really good point. Like, even in Jared Davis's good games, has he ever looked like a Luke Keekley? You know, a guy no. that's always on top of the ball and always <laughs> making plays. No. So Jared Davis's ceiling is like Christian Jones. <laughs> like, that's what it feels like right now. Oh, my gosh. Is that the saddest sentence anyone has ever said? It's like almost the most frightening sentence that anybody has ever said. <laughs> because that means that Jared Davis might get a contract extension. <laughs> oh, God. I didn't even mean to put it that way, but no, no. I know you didn't. I know you didn't, but that's that's what happens when you say scary things. You don't consider you don't <laughs> consider the full breadth of what <laughs> of what's really happening there. Real quick, just a show of hands. Wh- how many of us thought Jelani Tavai was going to be the lone bright spot of the linebacking corps? I mean, honestly, not that surprising. <laughs> did, did this unit really come in with a lot of expectations? No. Like I think everyone looked at the linebackers and be like this could be the unit that sinks the the entire defense. I I do agree with that. However, if you re- rewind the clocks back to April and you tell people that Jelani Tavai is going <laughs> to okay. be the best part of the fair the second the second line of this Lions defense, people are looking at you like you have a unicorn corn horn unicorn on your head. There you go. Uh, oh, the, the one guy we haven't really talked about is Devon Kennard, and you can call him a defensive lineman or a linebacker, whatever you want. Um, but he's, I mean, he he's almost like Jared Davis to me, where he's like, he's exactly who you want as a person. He's exactly who you want in terms of, um, you know, work ethic and, and attitude and leadership attitude. qualities. Yeah. yeah, all of that stuff but he's just an okay player. Like he's better than Jared Davis, but he's just okay. And, and this is like when the lions traded Quandre Diggs, this was like the whole rant that I got on is like, all right, if you're going to get rid of every single player with the personality, you're going to get a bunch of Jared Davis and, and, and Devon Kennards where it's like great people, meh talents. 
Mm-hmm. And and that's what Devon Kennard is. And and like I said, seems like a great guy. All the, the positive attitude you want, but he's just not a great edge rusher. He really isn't. He can't bring a lot of pressure. I think a lot of, you know, for for reasons that are, are money related, Trey Flowers got all of the attention for for his bad play early on, but Devon Kennard hasn't really been that much better. His sack numbers are up, sure, but you know, if, if you look at like that ESPN pass rush win rate, the guy is never getting doubled and he's never winning any pass rush attempts. Like it's bad. It's bad all yeah. around. So I'm giving this unit an F, which I think is a step mm-hmm. above dog vomit, although I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm you're the teacher. I'm, I'm really not gonna circle back around and, and give this unit a grade because it's so just unbecoming. It's like it's like when 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 somebody just like stops showing up to class and it's like you're absent 20 days. You want me to give you a grade? <laughs> like you just fail. Like, <laughs> good day, sir. Come back again later and we'll try this over again. But the, the one thing I want to say about Devin Kennard is that he's he would be a really good depth piece. Yeah. And don't a lot of the linebackers on this group, like you would say, man, you know what? They'd be so good if they were like, if they were going to be required, on the field, <laughs> if they were going to be required to be like Thurston Armbrister level of like contribution, or like yeah, Josh, like Christian, or like Josh yeah. Bynes, like yeah. like be that guy. Like well, you can't be a starter. Like what are you doing playing? What is Devin Kennard doing playing six hundred and twenty-seven snaps in ten games? Like that's just yeah. it's absurd. Well, they're but, paying him that way, but hopefully the, the long-term project there is Austin mm-hmm. Bryant, which hopefully we'll get to see next week. Yeah, there's there's cool. your tie-in for, for our preview. Austin Bryant <laughs> might play for the first time. Yay. Smile. Um, all right, let's move on to the secondary. Uh, if, uh, if, if defensive line wasn't the most disappointing unit, secondary might be a close second. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them... I think I'm going to go uh, see now if I give them a C minus, I kind of want to scale back and give the defensive line a D plus because I feel like the secondary has at least made a few plays, especially early on. I mean, I can't explain it. The first three or four games of the season, they were balling out. They, mm, the lines yeah. were top two in terms of passes defended. Justin Coleman was getting turnovers in, in every which way. Darius Slay was kind of playing his normal self. We didn't notice Rashawn Melvin, which was a good thing. Everything seemed to be clicking, and then five weeks ago, I don't know what the hell happened, but they're all playing horrible now. Like Justin Coleman's one of the worst nickel corners in in the over the past month. Rashawn Melvin is who the Raiders thought they were thought he was. Even Darius Slay has taken a, a noticeable step back, and then in the second level, you lose Quandre Diggs, or you you don't lose Quandre Diggs. Quandre Diggs loses you apparently. Uh, you do lose Tracy Walker, and suddenly you're left with a, an incredibly thin secondary beyond the corners, and it, it's not pretty over there either. So, I mean, it's it's almost like they get an A for the first three games and an F for the the final six or whatever it's been. And so, I, I I'll just say that averages up to a C minus. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna give them a D, and it it might be an. <laughs> It might have been a failing grade had the first, like you said, three or four weeks of the season hadn't happened because Justin Coleman was looking like the best signing that the Lions had 
it's, it's weird how those two players have flipped though, right? Like Justin yeah. Coleman was and the best signing that the Lions did over, over free agency. And then it became Trey Flowers after yeah. Trey Flowers was MIA for the first, you know, four weeks of the season. There were good things though. Yeah. Like Rashawn Melvin was not Nevin Lawson. And Justin Coleman looked like he had solved all the Lions problems at nickel corner. And Darius Slay was still, I mean, anybody going up against Keenan Allen, that's going to be a tough draw. And however, anybody wanted to paint some of these, some of these matchups that Darius Slay goes up against top talent week in and week out. It was some of the other pieces are, are kind of disappointing. Like Jamal Agnew, does Jamal Agnew really belong on this roster? What purpose does he serve? He's fine in special teams. I mean, up until what last week when he had a nice return, has he really done that had, much in the return he game? Had a, he had a kickoff return touchdown against the Eagles. Whatever. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's just like, I, I wonder if the Lions could just be better served getting that out of somebody in their, in their wide receiving group. I mean, our, our, you know, Amani Awarie injuries kept him off the field. Mike Ford, people thought maybe, uh, you know, the way that the season ended last year that he could be set. The Lions, I think at the end of the day with their defense, we thought they had some depth, at least in the secondary and especially in the defensive line. And I think that's why those are two of the most disappointing units because when they have had to deal with injuries like Darius Slay or when they've had to deal with injuries like Mike Daniels or Deshaun Hand, nobody's been able to step up. And that's what has kind of led to like this defense being as bad as it is. Yeah. The Lions don't have an interception since Monday night against Packers. Three on the year. And they don't have a kickoff return for a touchdown since the Eagles game. So what's Jamal Agnew really doing? All right. All right. Chill. <laughs> uh, really quickly, future of this unit. Um, I think Darius Slay's future is very much into question, even going into 2020, totally. um, even though he signed through 2020. Um, and then you're kind of back to, back to square one with cornerback too. Like Rashawn Melvin only signed a one-year deal. So what are you going to do there? Tavon Wilson, the, the one kind of solid at least consistent guy in the secondary right now, Tavon Wilson, also an unrestricted free agent. Obviously he's fine sticking around here. The second, second go around here. Uh, but your, mm-hmm. your other safeties are probably locked up in, in Tracy Walker, Will Harris, Justin Coleman's going to be sticking around for a while because of that lofty contract. Um, but I think your number one and two corner spots are, might be up for grabs in 2020, which is another scary thought considering this entire podcast would be like, I think this unit's in trouble next year. <laughs> I think this unit's in trouble next year. You, this team might not have, have a starting outside cornerback on the on the tw- on the roster right now. That's going to start next year. Yeah, that's that's wild to think about because I do think that Darius Slay's future with this team is totally up in the air. Yeah, I, I mean, I would be I'd be so far to say that him coming back versus him leaving is like sixty forty. I still want. I still want to think that he he comes back next season, but even if he does, is he going to play on the contract that he's on? Probably not. And are the Lions going to be willing to fork over another deal for him? Who knows? So that's that's tough. I, I think I think cornerback is a position that the Lions are going to have to really target in the draft because a lot of top tier cornerbacks don't 
typically make it to free agency and 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 they need an edge rusher so it's it's just really strange how and tackles and guards oh man well hopefully they get about five draft picks for for darius Slay. then they'll be fine (laughs) well i think this is gonna wrap up our state of the franchise wasn't this so much less depressing than a (laughs) a lions washington preview oh we really blew this State of the franchise, so good. That's 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 the recap. Everything's bright and sunny. Everything's sunny in Detroit. It really isn't. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, if you enjoyed that, and I know you did because that was so much fun and, and uplifting, make sure you tune into our Pride of Detroit post-game show of the POD cast, 8 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. We'll be talking about Lions Washington. So Hopefully that actually is a good game. Um, Ryan, quickly, one thing you think you know about that game. Ready to go. Uh, one thing I think I know about that game is that Dwayne Haskins is going to throw for three touchdowns. I hate you. Shut up. Anyways, uh, yeah, watch us on Twitch Live, twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. Otherwise, we'll see you next week when we probably do something else. Oh, next week, Thanksgiving. I don't know what we're going to do for, for First Bite, but uh, tune in. I'm sure it'll be fun because Bears Week. Yay. Bye. to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier imagine this high quality leads fast closing deals wildly happy customers and more benchmark breaking quarters it's not a miracle it's hubspot visit hubspot.com to get started today